0: Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Today is May 11th and marks the one year anniversary of the assassination and murder of American journalist Shireen Abu Akhla. On today's program, we'll be speaking to Sharif Abdul Kaduz, who um, worked on a documentary chronicling and investigating, investigative documentary on what happened uh, uh, to her. And the aftermath. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. We'll be right back after this short music break. Welcome back to True, <laughs> True Talk. In uh, live. In summer, summer. In March, the one year anniversary of the murder of Shireen Abakla, a um, journalist, an American, a Palestinian journalist, Palestinian American journalist who uh, worked for Al Jazeera uh, Network. And uh, she was covering. Um and she was covering um story in Palestine at the time um, of her murder, and we'll be speaking to Sharif Abdul qadus about what happened there and now i okay. Let me try that again. Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. Summer, my co-host is joining me now as we're uh, getting ready to uh, speak about the 1-year uh, anniversary of the killing of uh, Sharina bakla Summer.
1: Good morning Ahmed and good morning everybody. I think uh, uh, today is May uh, 11 and like you just said, it's the anniversary of the Assassination of Surin Abu Hakla, who so many young Palestinians who live uh, in Gaza and in the West Bank and in Jerusalem, inside uh, the state of uh, Israel, the borders, inside and outside, they all started to know the details of Palestine and uh, the intricate details of uh, resistance and of uh, struggle and of Al Aqsa, of everything through. Eyes of Shireen Abu Akla. She was young, just graduated, and joined uh, Al Jazeera. And she was very modest, uh, very, um, very normal, very ordinary. And all she did was really uh, report the news. Uh, she did not exercise editorials. Uh, she did not uh, put her own opinion. She just told us what was going on, and uh, very respected uh, human being. And then, of course, uh, we were shocked to see the direct hit to her uh, head that in an instant she was gone, in an instant. There was no hope of saving uh, Shireen, but we're very pleased to be talking today to Sharif Abdul-Quddus, who is a very well-known journalist and people who might have been listening uh, a few minutes ago. To uh, democracy now might have uh, heard his voice uh, on the radio uh, or seen him, but Sharif Abdul Quddus is an American of uh, Egyptian descent, I think. He is the correspondent of uh, the documentary uh, produced by Fault Lines. It's called The Killing of Shireen Abu Aqla. Uh It just uh, received a George Polk Award, and he is based in uh, New York uh, and Cairo. Is he with us, uh, Ahmed, yes, now?
0: Yes, uh, Sharif is with us. Uh, Sharif, Hi. where are you connecting
2: from? I'm uh, I'm in New York at the moment. Okay, well, welcome to True Talk. Go ahead, Summer.
1: So, uh, Sharif, uh, you I'm not sure if you had known uh, uh, Shireen before you started working on uh, the documentary. Have you ever met her before? And can you tell us a little bit? I tried to say something about uh, Shireen from my perspective as a Palestinian, but you are a journalist yourself. So have you met her and what did you think of her and her work before we get into what happened to her?
2: No, I never had the pleasure of meeting uh, Shireen, uh, but of course, uh, like millions of others in the Arab world and uh, internationally, I knew of her and I had watched Shireen on Al Jazeera for many years. Um, She was an exceptional journalist, I would say, one of the most prominent of her generation. Uh, Shireen, uh, she joined Al Jazeera in 1997, not long after the channel was founded. Uh, she was hired as one of their first uh, field correspondents, uh, and in a career that spanned nearly a quarter of a century, she became uh, a familiar face and a trusted reporter uh, for so many. And uh, really, um, her coverage of the Second Intifada uh, was was uh, exceptional, very, very intrepid, um, and you know she took great pains to. Uh, really bring Palestinian voices uh, to the world, and not only to report on their pains, but also their joys. And she reported on um, Palestinian life and uh, as well as uh, the the brutalities of uh, the occupation and settler colonialism. And she was very dedicated to her job and the critical role that journalism plays, um, especially in a place like uh, Occupied Palestine.
1: You know, uh, Sharif, when I used to watch uh, Al Jazeera and see Shireen in particular, I would remember uh, that she would be sitting at the steps of Al-Aqsa mosque and she would be wearing the hijab when she's inside. So I was truly shocked when uh, after she was uh, assassinated and uh, the journalists were just uh, readying her body to, I think, transport it from Janine to Jerusalem, where she is from, And i saw this religious man reading and he looks to me like he's a christian and i didn't understand i mean this i think was one of the most shocking things that and it's very unique to us palestinians we have no differences between being jewish or christian or muslim unless of course after the occupation but um and then to find out uh at night i remember that the american ambassador to israel saying shireen was american
2: mm-hmm. did
1: you know any of that i mean i i was shocked two two important pieces of information about journalists or people and you just find out when this person is gone uh
2: no i didn't know that she was christian or um or that she had U.S. citizenship. Um, but, you know, like, as you said, those you know, th- those formed, this, I think her faith informed part of her identity, and it's important in that respect. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter, of course, uh, whether, uh, you know, what religion she is, and it shouldn't matter either that she has U.S. citizenship. Why it does matter in the world that we live in is that uh, she's a citizen of a country that is the main backer, the main funder, the main protector of Israel. Um, and because she's a citizen, the government here has a duty to pursue justice in her case. Um, and uh, I think, you know, we, we, we can get into the details of it, but the, the Biden administration um, unsurprisingly has, has failed of that.
1: So how did you know about her assassination, because uh, shortly uh, my co-host Ahmed Uh, Will introduce uh, himself again and play a segment of the documentary that uh, was produced by Faultline. But when did you know uh, uh, about it? How did you hear uh, the news?
2: Well, like so many others, I heard about it on the day um, that Jazeera reported, um, first reported that uh, a journalist, uh, one of their journalists had been uh, uh, critically uh, wounded and then reported that it was Shereen Abu had been uh, killed in Jenin. Uh, So this was exactly one year ago today. And like so many others, uh, there was a lot of shock uh, and grief. And, you know, we saw those harrowing scenes um just a couple of days later I mean we have to remember also Shirin had one of the largest funerals in Palestine in uh in recent memory uh, it started actually in Jenin, uh, the funeral procession and went through Nablus and ended in Jerusalem uh, where she's from and where she was buried where she was put to rest and uh, we saw uh, thousands of Palestinians from Jerusalem uh, from the occupied West Bank from 48 uh, all come together um to uh to pay tribute to Shireen because she meant so much to palestinians and we saw that display of unity uh, i think uh really shake uh the israeli occupation authorities and that's why we saw this brutality um attacking the mourners almost making the casket fall to the ground uh, and trying to uh break up this uh this show of unity and uh as uh, mohammed the kurd wrote in a piece in the nation a while ago that shireen in her death briefly liberated jerusalem in that moment when everyone came together and that's what everyone was talking about the next day
0: if you're just joining us this is true talk on wmf 3.5 with ahmed and summer we're speaking to sharif Abdel quddus he is a correspondent with uh fault lines which is a uh, show a documentary show on Al Jazeera English. We're speaking on the one-year anniversary of the murder and the killing of Shireen Abu Akla a Palestinian-American journalist who was working for Al Jazeera. She died at the age of 51 uh, exactly one year ago. I'm pulling up a segment to play a segment of the documentary, By Fault Lines, and um which is on youtube and i'm uh, greeted with a message that says the following content has been identified by the youtube community as inappropriate or offensive to some audiences viewer discretion is advised when did uh, youtube flag this uh, video because i remember playing it before and I, i didn't get this disclaimer
2: right um I can't remember exactly when it was uh, a couple of weeks after uh, we broadcast uh, the documentary for the first time, which was back in November, the end of November. And um, it was uh, immediately being kind of shared quite widely when it was uploaded to YouTube. Um, You know, (laughs) ball lines documentaries don't get uh, millions of hits. People don't watch usually uh, 25 minute, 30 minute videos but this one was doing a lot for fall lines we usually get you know somewhere between 15 and 20,000 this was going up into 50 60,000 views quite quickly and we see this as a form of censorship that youtube uh, flagged it it makes it harder uh, to uh, access the video it makes it harder to find the video on youtube mm. they apparently flagged it because there is the shot of Shireen lying prone on the ground. There is no uh, blood that's shown. And, you know, we we uh, intentionally didn't show uh, specific parts of when she arrived at the hospital because, uh, you know, out of respect for her as well. But, uh, you know, they flagged it for that reason. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there, there's a lot of questions as to whether uh, that that flagging is, <laughs> is appropriate. Um, you know, they also did it to another Fault Lines uh, piece uh, about the... Um, uh, wrongful detention of Julian Assange, uh, with uh, they said because of the collateral murder video, uh, you know that grainy footage that shows uh, the U.S. military opening fire from a helicopter uh, on civilians in Baghdad. So you know, I this I think is a form of censorship right. by YouTube on this issue.
0: Uh, it's um, yeah, and well, let me play this, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. This is a segment. Uh, within this document, documentary is uh, thirty some minutes long. This is about eleven. It's, it's English and Arabic, uh, with the Arabic having subtitles. Uh, this portion is an English portion. Um, we'll play this and get your feedback. <laughs>
3: This is the rosary that was in her bag when they got it for us from Janine. She always had it in her purse. This is ah, this is our falfal. Shirin had adopted him three years ago. I don't dare to say the nickname that we call Shirin because he would run to the door and wait for her.
2: How did you first hear about what happened?
3: I first heard
2: about it from my dad. I got a news
4: alert saying that Shirin Abouakli was injured uh, while covering in Janine. And the first thing I did, I sent her a message. And I told her, Shirin, I just got this news alert. Uh, Are you fine? Please call me. I'm trying to call you. And I tried to call her a couple of times. She wasn't picking up. You know, you get a ringtone, but no one is picking up. And uh, I called my daughter Lena. I was watching Al Jazeera until 704, there was nothing. And then there came a breaking news that, you know, this uh, alert in red saying Shireen Abaqri was murdered in Jenin while covering. And it was shocking to me,
2: shocking. Two days after Shirin was killed, her funeral was held in occupied East Jerusalem. Thousands of people came out into the streets to mourn her loss, but also recognize what she meant to Palestinians. But the mood of grief and remembrance was quickly shattered.
4: The minute we stepped out of the morgue carrying the casket, We were attacked savagely by the Israeli occupation, beating on mourners, wall bearers using batons, using tear gas, using sun grenades. They were just doing their best. They were trying to get to have the casket fall on the ground for no reason.
3: In that moment, it felt like they were trying to silence her again. They were trying to control the funeral procession, control how we're going to mourn her. It was clear that they feared her. They feared the crowd. They feared the impact she's had. And I don't think they anticipated this kind of a reaction from the Palestinians.
4: She was able to deliver the suffering and the voice of the Palestinian people. And that's how she was known, you know. You know, I I, I still hear it every day. We grew up watching Shireen, hearing her reports, listening to her reports and all this. That's
3: my favorite picture of her. This is in her office in Ramallah. Sometimes she would report from home via telephone. And I remember she would always start with a countdown of like four, three, two, one, and then she would go on air. This is uh, with the late Yasser Arafat. Afterwards, I would steal her notebooks and go to the room. We had this red Lego table. I would sit on the table with my Barbie phone and I would start... um, uh, repeating the same thing as her and pretending that I am Shirin, but I would end it with Lina Abaqle as Jazeera and be using
1: her sign-offs. Were you
2: ever worried about her being a field reporter uh, in Palestine? Yes, we were worried from
4: tear gas, maybe a rubber bullets. Unintentionally, probably, maybe hitting her arm, her leg, but targeted like this in a deadly spot. That We never thought of this. It never hit my mind that it would happen, but it did, unfortunately.
2: Shortly after the killing became public, the Israeli military issued a statement saying that Palestinians may have been responsible. The Israeli government distributed this video saying a Palestinian gunman likely shot Shirin. But the Israeli human rights group at Salem quickly debunked that, sending a researcher to the location in the video that day and showing that it was impossible that she was killed from there. We went to that spot too. To get from the site where she was killed, we had to walk and take several turns to very narrow alleys. And it's an impossible shot. There's absolutely no clear line of sight. Why do you think the Israeli military would put out something that's so easy to refute? I don't know that they were that thoughtful in that sense. I think they're also very used to getting away with lying.
0: Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. That was um, a segment of the Al Jazeera Fault Lines documentary called The Killing of Shireen Abu Akhla. And that was the voice of Sharif Abdul Qadus, who was a correspondent speaking with family members um, of Shireen and and others. Uh, now um, the documentary was going into the part about how the initial narrative of the Israelis was to put the blame on Palestinians, and to say that she was killed by someone else. Um, and you know how that was easily refuted. Were you surprised, Sharif, by you know the audacity of the pal- of the Israeli government to just simply? You know, when something that happened, obviously, you know, on live cameras or on camera recorded and so obvious who's responsible for them to just simply blame it on someone else.
2: No, I mean, uh, it's not surprising that Israel is uh, trying to avoid responsibility uh, for this. This is, you know, a very clear pattern not just by Israel. I mean, the U.S. government does this as well, and, and so do most governments. But I think what what's egregious is is the way, uh, firstly, um, how Israel does it is a very kind of methodical and calculated way to uh, avoid responsibility. And secondly, I think uh, the the reaction from not only uh, the Biden administration, but also uh, there's a mute there's a there's a marked difference in how. Uh, Mainstream media in this country uh, covers the killing of uh, the, a U.S. citizen when this is a U.S. citizen killed by Israel and when it's a U.S. citizen that is Palestinian. Um, there there has been great work done, I have to say, by uh, organizations investigating this killing. Uh, the, the New York Times, The Washington Post, The Associated Press uh, and others, CNN, have all done investigations and this did put pressure on Israel to finally admit that they likely killed her, although they they claim that she was caught in crossfire. You know something that's not substantiated by any evidence, which points to the contrary. Uh, but I think that the differences on on an institutional level, the calls for justice are very muted. We see, for example, um, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and the the New York Times put out a, a joint one-page. Um, uh, Add in all of their papers a couple of weeks ago, calling for the release of Evan Gurchkovich, uh, the Wall Street Journal reporter who's imprisoned uh, on trumped up charges in Moscow, right. saying you know, they will not rest until he comes home. But we haven't seen, on an institutional level, these same kinds of calls uh, for justice and accountability uh, in Shirin's case. And so there is this dichotomy that 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 um, that is quite stark and quite troubling. So almost How, that. Oh,
0: Summer, go ahead. No, go, I, I, uh,
1: yeah, I, go ahead. Sorry. Because, uh, Sharif, uh, it's interesting, but I'm following the uh, Twitter feed now, and Senator Chris Van uh, Hollen just said that it's been one year, and he did uh, send a request to the State Department. He sent a request to the White House saying, there is a report that is supposed to have come, uh, or there is a new report. And I remember now, uh, a few minutes ago, you were on Democracy Now!, and you alluded to the fact that the FBI decided to investigate the killing of Shirin Abu Aqla. Is that separate from the White House?
2: Yes. So um, Senator Van Hollen has been uh, a leading voice calling for accountability in the case. And I must say, dozens of members of Congress have called for an independent investigation, have been pushing the White House for an investigation. Uh, The White House has not, uh, even though Blinken initially um, in in the, the days and weeks after the killing said we will conduct an independent investigation, that has not happened. What has happened from the White House is uh, something called the U.S. Security Coordinator, which is the liaison on the ground for security issues for the United States in the occupied territories and in Israel, um, put out a report last July that was not its own report. What they did was they summarized the Israeli report and the Palestinian authorities' report, and they did a ballistics analysis, which was ultimately inconclusive. And their statement, which relied very heavily on the Israeli report, basically said that uh Shirin was likely killed by an Israeli soldier, but that it wasn't intentional. They didn't specify how they came to that determination, that it wasn't intentional. And again, it goes contrary to all of the video footage, uh, all of the findings of multiple reports and all of the eyewitness testimony. Uh, there, the U.S. security coordinator, according to Van Hollen, uh, has done a review and is issuing, um, relatively soon, apparently, uh, a new report. Um, and, but we, I don't think we can expect much of it because uh, the State Department spokesperson was asked last week about that report, uh, and they said it uh, it basically has no new findings and no new conclusions. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's uh, that, that's also very troubling. The FBI. Um, yes, a few months ago announced apparently independently of the White House. Didn't announce it, informed the Israeli government that it was opening investigation and the Israeli media reported it. Um, yeah, outgoing president, outgoing, sorry, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid at the time said that they would not cooperate with the investigation. So we have to see where that's going. I mean, the FBI can come back and say, well, and, you know, look, when we talk about cooperation from the Israelis, actually, what what more can we get since we have so much on video, since we have so much eyewitness testimony, since we have these detailed reconstructions by forensic architecture and Al-Haq, all Israeli soldiers wear body cameras, and we saw uh actually the Israeli military released some body camera footage in its first video where they tried to erroneously claim that a Palestinian gunman killed Shireen. So that the body camera foot the body camera footage from the Israeli sniper has not been released. None of the transcripts with any interviews with the Israeli soldiers have been released. Uh we don't know um how far up this goes. Was this a rash decision by the Israeli sniper to fire on this group? Uh was it an order from above? Uh these are things that uh, an independent investigation could, uh, could glean, but we don't know what, where that, that FBI report stands. They may just say, "Well, the Israelis did not cooperate with us, and so we don't have any more findings." and so you know both sides are kind of saving face. The family put out a statement today, um, Shirin's family, uh, marking one year uh, since Shirin was murdered, And in it, they say, over the past year, our family has been forced to grieve while seeking justice and accountability for Israel's war crime. From the beginning, we've called on the US government to act in the same way it would if any other American citizen was killed abroad. And they go on to say, we also know that accountability requires action. For us, it means that those responsible for shadin's killing, from the soldier who pulled the trigger all the way up the chain of command, are held accountable. Accountability also means transparency that the full truth about what happened to Shireen is public and doing everything possible to ensure that this horrific war crime never happens to any other journalist. If you're
0: just joining us, this is True Talk, and we're speaking to Sharif Abdel Qadous about the one year anniversary of the killing of Shireen Abu Akhla, one of the most um, iconic Arab uh, journalists, English, Arab English speaking journalists. Um, in the world, who was killed last year at the age of 51, exactly one year ago, by uh, Israeli forces, um, uh, most likely a sniper, she was uh, shot and killed by a gunshot wound. Uh, All of this leads us to believe that basically, you know, the value, I mean, it just seems like the value of uh, an Arab journalist, the value of the life of an Arab journalist is not the same as a European or an American, you know, white journalist. Would you agree that this, that this pattern or behavior, especially when it comes to what's happening in Israel?
2: Yes, I mean, I think uh, the way both uh, Western governments react as well as the way Western media reacts is very different when a Western journalist is killed uh, or, you know, an Arab journalist or a Palestinian journalist. I mean, we were awarded and we're very grateful for it, this prestigious award called the George Pork Award for the documentary that we did. And we're happy about that because it lends credibility to our report and raises the stature of Shirin's case. This is an award named after the killing uh the the death of a journalist uh, back in the 40s uh who was covering um uh the civil war in uh, Cyprus you know there isn't this kind of recognition for um arab journalists who are killed and 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 because over the past uh, you know 15 years uh the region has been beset by uh, invasions and well, more than 15 years obviously but invasions and um civil war and displacement Many Arab journalists have been killed, have been kidnapped, have been tortured. uh, And we don't hear about them with the same full-throated cry that we do um, Western journalists. So uh, clearly there is. And, you know, I I can't help but think that also because Shireen reported in Arabic that there is somehow uh, people care less, you know, in this country. Um, I can't help but think that, yes, because she's Palestinian, they somehow care less. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a, that's a massive problem.
0: And uh, yeah, I misspoke earlier saying that, you know, English uh, reporting, but she's, um, an Arab American, I mean, Arab American journalist, but she focused and did her reporting in Arabic for Al Jazeera Arabic. Um, yeah.
2: And it shouldn't matter that, that she's, it shouldn't American.
0: matter. Exactly. But it just seems uh, like it just, a, it, overall, on top of that, she's also Christian, but it just seems like. If you're a Christian and Palestinian, you're kind of like, you know, the the Christian movements and churches in America also don't treat you the same as if you're an American Christian. Or if if this was a Christian American journalist that was, you know, killed while doing coverage in the Holy Lands. It's just just, there's there's Palestinian exception. When you're Palestinian, there's a different set of rules for you.
2: Yes, and the evangelical movement here, I mean, the right-wing Christian movement in this country is amongst the most pro-Zionist uh, uh, groups in the United States. You know, they believe that like, uh, Israel has to exist for uh, the return of the Messiah and this kind of me- messianic uh, vision of the world. But they're among the biggest funders and backers um, of settler groups and of uh, the Israeli state.
0: Despite the fact fact that this is also hurting and impacting uh, Christians, their fellow Christians that uh, live in the area and have been there for, you know, centuries. Right.
1: Ahmed, sorry to jump here, but I want to uh, mention to both of you gentlemen that she could be a hijab wearing Muslim woman uh, journalist reporting uh, in uh, Pharisee, in Iranian language. But if she killed by Iran, she will be plastered, I think, on our national media. Do, Do you agree with me? It depends on who kills.
2: Yes, I think it's both. Both of, the, both of those things are true. It depends on her identity and who she is. The fact that she's Palestinian and who killed her. So if we look at Evan Gershkovich, yes, he's white and um, a white American, but it's also that he's being imprisoned by Russia. You know, Egypt, uh, the United States is a, a primary geopolitical rival. So you know, clearly there's a there's a huge kind of uproar from the administration and from mainstream media. But because she's been killed by Israel, she didn't was killed by Israel, then uh, it's obviously much more muted and a very different reaction. And it follows a pattern, uh, you know, as we as we all know, of uh, the United States successive Republican and Democratic administrations uh, covering for Israel and protecting Israel in this way.
0: What is it? why does it continue to do that? That it's, you know, I mean, are people in Washington, do you see a shift in Washington and in the media to simply see that, you know, Israel and doing this cover up for Israel and playing, you know, damage control constantly is a liability?
2: I, I mean, I think it is a liability for the, the United States in the region. Uh, it, it, the United States is, uh, alliance with israel is very very harmful and uh, a source of embarrassment in many ways too but for some reason they continue it uh, but i i think if we look especially over the last two decades there has been a shift in the united states um the fact that the dozens of members of congress are calling for an investigation into shirin's case uh is a difference we're seeing a, a new generation um in this country who are much more aware of what's happening in palestine you have um Great publications like Jewish Currents, which does a uh, really good coverage of the occupation, um, in this country. So uh, there has been a shift. It's, it's slow, but, um, but, you know, the, the, the extreme bias on the subject in the media in this country, uh, is slowly, slowly beginning to crack. Uh, but it's still very problematic.
1: If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. Ahmed, my co host, and I are talking to Sharif Abdul Quddus, who is the correspondent uh, of the fault line film, The Killing of Shireen Abu Akhla. Today uh, marks the anniversary of the assassination of Shireen uh, while she was covering uh, events in Jenin in the occupied territories. The documentary uh, that Sharif uh, Helped uh, in uh, producing and creating uh, won the George Polk uh, Award and Sharif is based in New York and Cairo and uh, you may have followed his work uh, throughout the years on uh, democracy now which WMF plays on w- uh, on uh, the station and as a very popular show Sharif so I'm very very happy that people can get a chance to listen to an in-depth uh, interview with you. Can you tell us how was uh, the, like the idea? of the documentary, um, who uh, were uh, the writers, and how easy was it or not easy was it for you to go uh, to the occupied territories and work on it. Ahmed, and I spoke to to the director a few months ago when the uh, documentary came out, Mm -hmm. but you being on the ground and actually talking to Shireen's brother and uh, niece and uh, the journalists and I want you to talk about the journalists that were next to Shireen and were also shot at, uh, if you could, Shireen.
2: Yeah, I think the idea, you know, we started working on this uh, in, well, we, we were planning for, for many weeks, but we were on the ground in October. And uh, there had been multiple investigations already into Shireen's case by other media outlets. But what we were really trying to do was to piece it all together for the first time uh, on video with the eyewitnesses and the footage and recreate exactly what happened um, on that day Uh, and also to show the aftermath and to pursue accountability um, uh, both in Israel, but we weren't granted any access to Israeli officials, but uh, more importantly in the United States where she was a citizen. So that was the idea behind this. Um, You know, being on the ground uh, in Palestine is, is... is always difficult because uh, you know this is a place that um, where there's you know a very long and vicious settler colonial project that requires systemic and sustained levels of violence in order to be maintained so there is uh, uh, on a systemic level raids arrests uh, settlement building enclosures checkpoints, Um, And of course, you know, there's the strangulation and bombardment of Gaza, which we're seeing uh, right now. Um, So, uh, you know, being on the ground and being a journalist there uh, is always difficult because you're working to expose those things um, and there's violence there. So, you know, for us, it's nothing compared to what the journalists, Palestinian journalists on the ground have to endure. And when we're in Jenin, speaking to Shadeen's colleagues, uh who were with her on that day who uh were right next to her one of whom was also shot it's always difficult to sit with someone and have them recount and relive this extremely uh, traumatic and painful experience um you know it was I think, without, without fail, all of them cried during the interviews, as did I. It's it's very um, a difficult thing to to go through, but I think you know they all found it very important to retell the story um of what happened on that day, and they continue the work on the ground. You know, one of them, Shada Hanisha, who uh, is a young journalist from Jenin, who was uh, is on the video, the Al Jazeera video. You can see her; she's crouching next to the tree and Shireen has already been shot and is lying prone on the ground. Uh, Shada needed after in the aftermath of this, she uh, decided to take a break from being a reporter in Palestine and to go study in Beirut uh, because you know, this was her role model that she had uh, idolized for so long. And suddenly she's seeing her with blood coming out of her head, uh, dead on the ground next to her. And uh, clearly this uh, shook her to the very core, as it did her colleagues as well and uh, we hear um, uh, the Al Jazeera cameraman also uh, talk about how this instilled, yes, he had to admit that it did make them more scared that someone like Shireen could be killed, targeted so blatantly, but they continue their work on the ground um, every day and continue Shireen's legacy.
1: I would really wish for people to go and watch the documentary because as what the footage is showing, uh, the fact that after she fell on the ground and Shada is behind the tree, they kept uh, shooting. They did not stop. I mean, one journalist was already shot. Uh, the uh, uh, Shireen is on the ground. The other one is uh, screaming and behind the, a tree. And a guy tries to come and help her. So it it's. Premeditated murder, uh, Sharif. If people watch the documentary, and I, I want really to ask you, um, the brother of Shireen was able to meet with the uh, Anthony Blinken. Yeah. Uh, was he able to meet with the White House, uh, with the with Biden, and what what was the con- I mean, what did the, the uh, Secretary of State uh, promise uh, the brother?
2: Uh, so, yes, Anton uh, Abu Akhle met, and I think uh, Lina, uh, her niece, was there as well in D.C. Um, so they met with Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Uh, they said that he was, uh, I mean, he's a diplomat, so he knows how to speak. And he was, you know, expressing his condolences and so forth, and, um, and told them that there would be uh, an investigation and that uh, they want accountability. I mean, we've heard the State Department spokespeople say that uh but then nothing happens you know that's the issue uh, what is very troubling is that president biden himself declined to meet with the family uh both when he visited the region uh last summer and on the, when the family has come to dc uh, on multiple occasions uh, you know he met with evan gershkovich's parents uh and uh, and uh, paid tribute to them but uh, he declined to do so for the family And as you said, you know, this wasn't errant gunfire. You know, they're trying to claim that uh, she was killed, but it wasn't intentional, that it was kind of like this mistake during a battle or something. But there's 16 minutes of video that uh, was streamed by a resident of uh, Janine, Salim Awad, uh, that he streamed on TikTok at the time. So this was live video. And you can watch this video it's you know it's a bit kind of erratic and the the lens goes all over the place but you can see that there's there's no gunfire you don't hear any shots and people are milling around joking around uh some of the journalists are standing in clear view of the israeli convoy they're getting ready to walk up it's a very calm atmosphere and then they slowly start walking up the middle of the street and then we hear six shots in rapid succession um, coming from the direction of the Israeli convoy. Uh, that's when the producer, Ali Samoudi, is hit in the shoulder. He starts running back. And we see the last shot of Shireen alive, crouching by a tree. And then eight seconds later, there's another round of gunfire of seven shots. And one of these is the fatal one that hits Shireen in the head. And let's remember also, Shireen was wearing a full press flak jacket and a helmet. There's a very small space between the top of a flak jacket, which has kind of um, a part that comes up over the neck and the helmet and the bullet pierced in, in between those two areas, a very small area where she was exposed. And uh, it, it killed her instantly. Um, and then we see again, as Shereen is lying on the ground and Shada Hanesha is next to her, uh, this uh, young man, uh, Sharif jumps over a wall and he tries to uh, pull Shereen out. And again, he is targeted. So, uh, you know, the, the shots directed at him. So this wasn't kind of errant gunfire. It was clear, repeated targeting of the group. And Forensic Architecture and Al Haq did this amazing reconstruction of the killing uh, and of the events. And they show how the bullets were all fired above shoulder level, uh, what they call kill shots, and that they were very tightly grouped together. This is a sniper shooting from a distance of 200 meters. The furthest two shots from each other was were 23 centimeters apart. That implies very high level of accuracy um so you know I, I I how how the United States can adopt this narrative that it wasn't intentional uh, and just not explain how they're coming to that is is uh, quite outrageous actually
0: this is true talk on wmnf um, 88.5 with Ahmed and summer we're speaking to Sharif uh, Abdul quddus on the one-year anniversary of the killing of Sharina Bakla a um a Palestinian Arab journalist also happens to be American, who was uh, targeted and killed by Israeli forces exactly one year ago, as she was reporting on the ground there, and um, no one has held no one has been held accountable for her murder. Uh, but she's not the only one. A recent report by the uh, Committee to Protect Journalists that I'm looking at here. Basically um, says that since 2001, at least 20 journalists have been killed uh, by Israeli forces, and the response has been what they quote, what they call quote, inadequate responses that evade accountability. Mostly, that they don't really end up investigating these murders, and no one is ever held accountable. So this is not any different. Uh, Shirin Bakla is not the first. Um, Uh, you know, in the past uh, 20 or so years has been targeted and killed. Um, What happens when you don't hold uh, the killers
2: accountable, Sharif? Well, it it just paves the groundwork for it to to happen again. It paves the groundwork for impunity. And we're going to see more journalists killed because no one is held accountable for it. No one pays a price for it. So what prevents you from doing it? And... You know, we play some of Shireen's words um, in our documentary. And in one of those, she says the Israeli soldier does not want you there, does not want you on the ground. And so they try and scare you or they target you. So, you know, this is this is not news. Um, And yes, that CPJ report is is, uh, very important because it shows this isn't, you know, this is a very systemic um, way that Israel responds to these cases. Um, You know, they they have this what they call the standard playbook. First, they say, you know, denials of responsibility. We saw that in Shirin's case where they said that a Palestinian gunman killed her. Uh, And, you know, they push these false narratives. Um, Then they discount contrary evidence and witness testimony, which is exactly what they're doing in Shirin's case. And then they have these internal investigations, quote unquote, that lack any kind of transparency and never lead to any charges uh they always say they're investigating and it's a way that, you know the head of B'Tselem in our documentary called it uh, a legal iron dome for the israeli military to um to protect them from uh firstly a prosecution in uh, the international arena but also uh to to grant them kind of like legitimacy in uh, in the public narrative So, you know, all of this is kind of uh, it's it it follows a clear pattern that 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 Israel pursues. And so, yeah, I don't know what how we're going to get justice in this case, but we have to honor Shireen by continuing to call for justice and to push for it. Uh, Both the family and Al Jazeera have submitted claims to the uh, International Criminal Court, uh, which has a mandate to investigate war crimes um, in Palestine. Uh, Nothing really has come of that mandate so far. Both, the, uh, both Israel and the United States, uh, you know, kind of rejected the ICC, have not signed on to it. But, uh, you know, that is another way that the family is trying to uh, get accountability.
0: Right. Um, now, Israel is, cap- is more than capable of uh, finding and investigating because when, um, you know, people or even soldiers uh, occupying forces are attacked, or uh, kidnapped or something happens in there they usually response they don't even wait for investigation they respond with deadly force or disproportionate force oftentimes just bombing places in Gaza or in other places uh it just it just seems like to me uh what is so obvious this uh, Israeli exception that when it comes to uh that You know, Israel can do no wrong and no one can hold them accountable whatsoever. And I think this is what drives, uh, you know, this, uh, I guess, this narrative of double standards and hypocrisy, especially um, from the perspective of the Arab world, that Israel is able to do all these crimes and they're never held accountable. Uh, What is, how does that impact, I guess, the Arab street and, you know, surrounding, you know, uh, in the Arab world, their perspective their their perception of Israel
2: Well, I mean I, I don't think this is surprising to anyone um that this is the way Israel is acting and that this is the way the United States is responding as well. I you know because because it, it follows a very clear pattern. You know, the the US just I think last month uh you know expended a lot of political capital to um uh, prevent a U.N. Security Council resolution that would have called on the the ending of settle or st- a halting to settlement building or settlement expansion uh, in the West Bank. A very kind of, you know, benign uh, resolution that is, you know, really falls in line with international law. We can say whatever we want about international law, but that's, you know, and they, they again blocked it. They have exercised their veto in the U.N. Security Council on behalf of Israel Uh, you know, more times for for, uh, Israel than any other country or any other um, issue. Uh, So, you know, I don't think this comes as a surprise to anyone, Um, but it does lay bare and lay naked this very clear double standard. And, uh, you know, it's a source, I think, of embarrassment uh, to the United States. And I think also that... Shirin's case it could arguably, you know, um, uh, our executive producer said this, that, that this is arguably um, the most thoroughly investigated killing of any Palestinian in history, okay? Mm. There's been uh, multiple, by media outlets, investigations. There's been investigations by the United Nations, uh, by human rights groups, and yet no one has been held accountable. But uh, you know Shireen's uh, face, uh, uh, her her memory is uh, is all around the world, is is being remembered today. Um, The people are calling for justice in her case, and um, you know in that way, I think there is something uh, that we are that that we can find in uh, her tragic death. That uh, that we will not forget her, and that it it shames and exposes um, this the Israeli state. Well, with that said, thank you so much
0: for joining us, uh, Sharif uh, Abdelkaderous, uh, correspondent for Fault Lines on Al Jazeera. You could uh, watch their documentaries, including um, the killing of Sharina Bakla, on YouTube by searching for it and try to, you know, avoid the censorship and all the the uh, disclaimers but you know play the uh the documentary and watch it but thank you for your time and thanks for the work that you're doing thank you very much so uh that wraps up our show today Summer, and uh we mourn the death and the killing of sharina bakla and uh what happened to her one year ago still no justice for her and if, if if this palestinian uh, who also is American, cannot find justice. Imagine the ordinary Palestinians. And um, so uh, we hope uh, that her family uh, does find justice and those that uh, the people that are responsible for her killing are held accountable as well as everyone else. We're out of time. This is WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next. And after that, great more programming on the station. See you at the same time, same place here. Um, on WMNF next Thursday at 11 o'clock. Summer, have a good weekend.
1: You too. WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next.